in the sixth chapter here, begins to delineate what real discipleship is about. That there is a cost to discipleship. As a result of that, that was more than they bargained for. This wasn't the first time this had happened in the ministry of Jesus. If you remember over in the 10th chapter of Mark, a young man came one day and was listening to Jesus as Jesus was teaching. And he got so excited about what Jesus was saying. And he ran down and he started pushing people aside until he got to where Jesus was. Falls flat, prostrate before the Lord. Lord, what must I do that I may have what you're talking about here? And Jesus said to him, well, you know the Ten Commandments. And so he, he delineated six of the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother and all this. And the six that he talked about were the six commandments that deal with our relationship to a fellow man. And he said, uh, and the young man said, Lord, I've been doing this since I was knee high to a grasshopper. But what else do I need to do? And Jesus hit the nail on the head, which he was very good at doing. He said, you need to liquidate your assets. Get rid of it. Give it to the poor. Come. Take up your cross and follow me. And one of the most pathetic verses in Scripture is verse 22 of Mark 10. And it says, And he went away grieved because he had great possessions. In other words, he said, no way. Uh -uh. You're asking way too much. I won't go that far. And he leaves. So Jesus had been in crisis situation. He had been misunderstood all through his ministry. This was nothing new. And so here in the sixth chapter, John, he really nails it down. If you really want to be my disciple, here's what it's going to cost you. And it said that everybody there except the 12 apostles left. Jesus, therefore, from that time on, his disciples went back, walked no more with him. Then said Jesus to the 12 Will ye go away also? Can you imagine what a heartbreak that must have been for the Lord? One moment there was this huge crowd of people listening, holding on to every word you were saying. And Pastor, I think you got a lot of amen. until he got down to the invitation. And then he says, this is what it's going to cost. They left him. And he said, well, what about you? You going to leave too? And bless old Peter's heart. He came with the right answer. I think... Most of us like Peter so much because he's so much like us. 
he was a professional at sticking his foot in his mouth. Sometimes he got both feet in his mouth and neither one touched the other one. But here Peter rises to the occasion. And he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. In the 16th chapter of Matthew, we have the account of Jesus taking the 12 apostles to a remote area called Caesarea Philippi. Jesus had sent his disciples out without him being with them on a missionary trip. He sent them out two by two, and they were to go out without him being with them and sharing the gospel. And they had returned, and so he took them to this remote area so he could debrief them. And he knew that if he wasn't with them, they would hear all kinds of, well, I think he's this, I think he's that. And so Jesus said to the disciples, he said, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And one of them said, Well, some think you're John the Baptist come back from the dead. Another one said, Some think that you're Jeremiah. Or another one said, some think you're Elijah. And he, and then finally he said, okay, but who do you say I am? Isn't that always the crucial question? It's not who your neighbor says Jesus is. It's not who the person at work says Jesus is. It's not something that you read in a book who says who Jesus is. It always comes back to number one, doesn't it? And Jesus said, and you know, to anybody else, any of those names would have been a compliment. You mean to tell me some people think I'm like John the Baptist who lost his head for the cause? Some think that I'm... um, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, some think that I'm Elijah, the fiery old prophet of old. Man, what a what a compliment that is, but it wasn't to him. And it was Peter when Jesus said to them, But who do you say that I It was Peter who rises to the occasion and says exactly what he said here. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Let me tell you something. You cannot give a better description of who Jesus was than that right there. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And notice in that statement, He didn't say, thou art a Christ, a son of a living God. No. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. 
But then we come over to uh, 21st chapter of John, and we find Jesus in another crisis situation. He had said to the disciples, I will meet you at the Sea of Galilee on a certain day. And in the 21st chapter of John's Gospel, it starts by telling us that uh, the disciples got there, were there early, and it was probably the next day that Jesus was going to be there. They didn't know just when. And so it was getting late in the day, and Peter says to the other disciples, well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to go fishing. Well, what's wrong with that? I mean, after all, if he went fishing and caught some fish, then they would have what they needed for breakfast the next morning. But Kenneth S. Woos, who for many years was professor of New Testament and Greek at Moody Bible Institute, has a series of books out. And in one of his books, it's on that very passage. And he says that the word that Peter used for, I'm going fishing, was the Greek word that meant, I'm going back to the fishing business. Wow. That throws a whole new light on everything, doesn't it? He wasn't saying, I'm just going to go fish and kill some time and hope I can catch something between now and the time the Lord shows up. He didn't say that. And I've got a hunch that Peter probably felt, God can't use me. I mean, I blew it. He warned me three times in the upper room, Peter, you will deny me three times before the rooster crows in the morning. And Peter said, no, no, not me, Lord. These others might. Lord, I'll go to prison with you. I will die for you. And you know what? He meant that. It wasn't just idle boasting on his part. He loved the Lord. But he didn't know what was coming. And the Lord did. And the next picture we see of Peter that night, he was hiding in the shadows. And he was going from tree to bush to tree, keeping his eyes on Jesus but he wasn't right there next to him like he said he was going to be. And sure enough, that evening, three times, Peter denied he had anything to do with the Lord. I don't know who you're talking about. Never heard of that man. So Peter probably thought, he can't use me. I mean, I've blown it, and I blew it bad. He warned me. He even took us out to the Garden of Gethsemane that night and said to us, watch and pray. And what did I do? I went to sleep on him. And when he came back and found me asleep, he said, couldn't you watch and pray an hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation yourself. 
And he went back and prayed another hour and came back, and guess what? They were asleep again. And so I'm sure that Peter felt, man, how can you be so sorry? How can you let the Lord down the way I have led? And I'm sure that when he comes here tomorrow to meet with us, he's going to read us the right act. And he's going to say, guys, I can't use you. I was sorry. I betrayed you. So Peter just decided, well, what's left? What can I do? The only thing I know to do is fish. I'm a professional fisherman. Wasn't it Jesus who said to Peter and the others, when he called them, he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, not fish. Now he's going back to the fisher of fish business. And in the 21st chapter of John, it lists six other disciples. And they said, well, we might as well go back too. And the next morning, Jesus shows up, and he's on a knoll, and he's got the rising sun behind him. And he looks out, and he sees the boat, and he sees Peter and the other six disciples out there in a boat, and he says, hey, have you caught anything? He said, not a thing. We have toiled all night long nothing. He said, well, listen, from my vantage point, I can see a school of fish pretty close to the surface right over here. Go over in that area and throw your nets. And they did, and they got the biggest catch they had ever had. Wow. And one of the disciples said, Peter, that's Jesus. And Peter dives into the water and swims to shore, and Jesus already had a fire going, already had fish. I mean, isn't it like Jesus? I mean, he provides everything. Didn't he say he would provide everything we need? Paul said, but my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That wasn't just some pie in the sky by and by. That is real stuff. And so they gather around the fire. They're eating. And the crisis situation was the fact that they were all thinking about leaving the Lord because he couldn't use them anymore. That really wasn't the case. And Jesus said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you really love me? 
Lord, you know my heart. You know I love you. Feed my lambs. Peter, he said the third time, do you really, truly love me? Lord, thou knowest everything. Yes. And it said, and it broke Peter's heart. <laughs> the fact that you three times. But let me tell you something. Each time Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? He used a different word for love. See, the Greek language had at least three words that were translated love. One was the word um, agape, which is the highest kind of love there is. John 3.16, when it says, For God so loved the world, it is saying, For God so agape the world that that." Agape, only God, only the Lord himself can possess that kind of love. The other one was phileo. We get our uh, city of Philadelphia from phileo. And what what does that mean? A city of brotherly love. Because phileo meant, I love you like a brother. Eros was the other one. It's never found in the New Testament, but there was a third word for love called eros. We get our word erotic from eros. It's a Hollywood kind of love. It is a self-seeking kind of love. And we never find that one used in the New Testament. But it was a viable word that the Greeks used frequently. And so Jesus was really saying to Peter, he said, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter responds, Lord, I phileo you. I love you like a brother. The second time Jesus said, Peter, Do you agape me? And Peter said, Lord, I phileo you. The third time, Jesus said, Peter, do you even phileo me? And that's when his heart. Jesus was trying to get Peter to come up to his level instead of him going down to Peter's level. There's other incidents in the scriptures of some of the crisis situations that Jesus had. But he was always the master of every situation. Isn't that great? And you know what? 
when we go through some hard times and some sad times, he's right there with us. Didn't he say to the disciples over in the 14th chapter of John that I'm going to send, what, another comforter? I don't know about you. I'm so glad he used that word comforter. It's just, it's just one of the many jobs that the Holy Spirit has. But have you noticed when you go to a funeral or go to the uh, visitation the night before the funeral, how hard it is to really communicate with the people who are grieving? I mean, we do the best we can, and we trip over our own tongue, and, and, and we all are, if you're like me, I come away thinking, well, I blew that. No, we didn't. Not if we were there and we really, our hearts went out to them. They understand that. And they also understand that words in a time like that have such a hollow meaning, don't they? But the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, can come. And He can bring comfort and strength and hope where we can't. And I'm so glad. Because every time I do a funeral, I depend a lot on the Holy Spirit. may be going through a crisis situation right now, but you're in good company. Jesus has already been there, and he is the master of every crisis situation, and he always had just the right things to say and to do. And he still does. Isn't that great? In the sixth chapter, when he said to the disciples, well, what about you? Are you going to leave me too? And Peter said, Lord, to whom can we go? Who else but you have the answers to the riddles of life? Lord, who can we go to? And the answer is nobody. But he's there saying, listen, I'm here for you. And you know, today, you may have come here just to get a feel good. Or you may have come to please somebody else or whatever. And the furthest thing from your mind is, what am I going to do with Jesus Christ and his claims on my life? If somebody could convince me that Christianity is a ripoff, there's really nothing to it. It's just emotion. It's just all this other stuff. 
You know what? I'd still want to be a Christian. The finest people I've ever met in my life. Now, I've met a few stinkers along the way. But the finest people, the most caring people, the most loving people I have found are those who know the Lord. If you have never made that decision, it wasn't an accident you got here today. This can be the biggest decision you'll ever make. Because when you say yes to Jesus Christ, that is the biggest decision you can ever make. Now, that's a, quite a statement to make. But if you're sincere, then that statement, that, that commitment will overshadow every other commitment and decision that you make. It really will, if you're serious. And this morning, we just want to open up the altar. If you are here and you're burdened, or maybe you're going through a crisis situation, you can come and pray. We'll be glad to pray with you. But if you have never made that decision, to follow Jesus Christ and open up your heart and say, Lord, you come in, you take over. He will. And you'll leave here a different person. You'll look the same, but you won't be the same, and you never will again. And so we're opening the altar, we're inviting you to come and to say yes to the Lord's plan in your life. Bow, please. Father, we are so grateful that you're so patient. And it's encouraging to know that you have been through some of the greatest crisis situations anybody could ever go through. Always victorious. And you're there so that we can be victorious as well. So, Lord, you know our hearts. You know what our needs are. And you're here to meet them. In Jesus' name, amen. The pastor and Mark will also be down here. And if this is your hour, you come.
for just uh, laying out God's word for us. Appreciate that. And uh, the challenge that, uh, listen, we all go through crises, and um, unless we have Jesus with us, we're just going to keep going through. Amen? And uh, we need him to carry us through those things. All right. Well, uh, this morning, you should you have should have already, as I said earlier, filled out your Connect card. So if you'll do me a quick favor, take that out. If there's a decision that you've made this morning, if you will mark that on the back of your Connect card, and uh, our ushers are going to come forward. If you'll do us a quick favor and just place those cards in the basket, we would appreciate that. And uh, just uh, put anything on there that you need. Guys, if you're able to help on Wednesday night, you can do that as well. All right, my wife is going to come now, I believe, and she wants to say just a quick thank you to our BBS teachers. And look, she has brought me so much candy this morning. I am so grateful. She knows I love candy. Of course, she knows I don't need it either, but she's just, uh, honey, I don't know if I can eat quite all of this, but I can try. That's right. I can try. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. Um, we had a really great VBS this year. We had at least eight, eight kids saved, um, probably a few more as the stats keep coming in. I just want to thank each person who contributed in some way. So if you worked in VBS this week while I'm talking, um, would you just come up and choose a candy bar, or there are a couple apples? Not a basket. Um, and what I mean by that is if you were on security, registration, teachers, everybody, just come on up. I'm going to have to start calling your names. Come on up. <laughs> just pick something. Um, I want to show you my appreciation. 
Uh, Danica and her kitchen team, they fed close to 300 people every night. In fact, it was so disappointing to have to cook my own dinner last night. I was really, <laughs> I was missing BBS. <laughs> um, Laura Edwards did a great job with her game team. They did excellent work. The kids love the new games. They love the blow-up obstacle course. Um, I would love to know how many miles the Pierces and Means walked on the pony ride. Because one, one person had to hold the front of the pony and one person walked beside the pony. They probably walked all the way to Indianapolis this week. Um, poor Stephanie LaCava was sick with bad allergies all week and she just pressed on and persevered and her registration team did a great job. Um, and she's still working getting follow-up cards ready. Um, all the teachers did an especially amazing job. Thank you so much for remembering to share the gospel and making this week fun for your class. Um, Kara and Barb kind of headed up our preschool. They did an excellent job, our preschool teachers, this year. Um, shout out to Sue Thompson for our decorations, which made our... made our Bible school really second to none. Our security guys, we really appreciate you. Um, I want to say that I'm really proud of all the men in BBS. I don't know how many churches have as many men participating as we did, and they you just can't underestimate what that means in the lives of the kids, especially ones that may not have a lot of men in their lives. Um, and also our teenagers, uh, Mark did a good job preparing them. They worked really hard. They worked some jobs that were maybe not that fun. Really proud of them, too. Lastly, to God be the glory. Thank you, Lord, for working on our behalf this week, strengthening, encouraging us, drawing kids to you. Let's continue to be on mission here at Southside. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Laura. Um, one quick note. If you uh, haven't opened your candy yet, wait till afterwards to do that. That's what she was going to tell me. Um, and I'm going to tell you why. Just because uh, some of the stuff we've given out here does have peanuts in it. And, uh, you know, we have a few folks here at Southside that have severe peanut allergies. Um, and so you say, but that's me eating it, not them. Listen, some of these allergies nowadays are very severe. And even if you touch somebody, if you talk, uh, so forth. So just do us that favor. One thing I want to know that, that Joanna pointed out to me, nobody took the apples. I don't even, I, there's one there, there's one there. So I'll take the apple because I am healthy and I will eat the apple. Where's that horse at that we had this week, Kala? <laughs> All right, here we go. Um, I know one last thing, guys, and. Um, I want to just kind of uh, explain this to you just a little bit. So last Sunday, um, if you weren't here, if you were here, you got a chance to kind of be a part of this. Last Sunday, we had uh, Brendan Prout here as potential uh, possible worship pastor candidate uh, for the church. And so I hope you got a chance to meet Brendan, talk with him a little bit, and all that kind of stuff. So he was here. Uh, on, from Thursday through Sunday last week, his wife came in on Saturday, and uh, they spent uh, stayed at our house, so we got a chance to know them a little bit. Uh, the leadership team has been we've been searching for over a year. We've been talking with Brendan for several months now, and uh, I've gotten to know him uh, pretty well. 
and uh, we brought him here last week. You weren't sure about this, but after getting to meet him in person and see if he was who we thought he was and all that kind of stuff, uh, we I called him on uh, Thursday and uh, told him that we would like to bring him uh, in view of a call. Now, I'll explain here in just a second what that means a little more. And so I talked to Brendan on Thursday morning and uh, after uh, leadership team had met uh, again, and uh, so I spoke with him. Uh, he said, you know what, Pastor, we've been praying about it. We felt like things uh, were really awesome. We loved South Bend. Yes, they did. Being from San Diego, they said they loved South Bend. Uh, I know, and I reminded him again of the snow. I reminded him that it wasn't always like this outside and so forth. I promise you, I told him the truth. And um, he said, uh, we love the people, just some genuine, uh, wonderful people. And But he said, we want to pray about it. And so he, uh, he said, we want to pray about it. And so can you give us a week? Let us pray this through and, um, and see if we, we want to make sure this is where God God's leading in it. And so um, I said, absolutely, Brendan, we'll do that. And so started making plans kind of based on that a little bit. Uh, right before Bible school on Thursday night, about 5.30, my phone rings. And I pick it, uh, look at it, it says Brendan Prout. And so I pick it up. And Brendan said, Pastor, I have to tell you, this is probably the shortest week you've ever seen. But uh, he said, my wife got home from work. We spent some extended time in prayer this afternoon. And um, one of the things he said, he, th- he felt just so comfortable here and so uh, warm with the people and stuff that um, they wanted to make sure that it was of the Lord. But they had spent some extended time in prayer Thursday afternoon. He said, um, I, we would love to come in view of a call. Now, here's what that means, Okay. So that does not mean that everything is all finalized and all kind of deal. So this is, uh, according to our Constitution, we announced this for two weeks. So I will announce it today, obviously, is what's happening right now. I will announce this again next Sunday, and he will be coming back on the 16th of August, which is two weeks from today, and lead worship again. And uh, it'll probably, we'll probably have some other stuff going on. I don't know all the details yet and so forth. But we will have other opportunity for you to talk with him questions. Uh, probably what we'll do that Sunday morning is something like a Q&A, maybe on, on the platform here. We can let you get to kind of a feel for him uh, a little more and so forth. So you'll have more opportunity for that. And then uh, the following week, so the way we set up our Constitution uh, here a couple years ago was that he will come in view of a call on the, uh, the 16th. The next Sunday, the 23rd, you will vote by ballot, Okay. Uh, whether you confirm him and calling him as a worship pastor. Now, I, I, I've been using that term. One of the things, and I'll explain, I'll go into a little more detail next week uh, on Sunday morning in talking about this, but one of the things we were looking for uh, is somebody, someone who is not just a worship pastor, um, but somebody who could also uh, lead and provide uh, a minister in so many different other areas. And uh, that's one of the reasons God, I believe God's led us to Brendan. Um, he has uh, been a pastor, the p- church he was at, he's pastor of worship and evangelism. He also has extensive uh, experience in discipleship, counseling, uh, outreach.